0: Engaging sermons on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. A reading from the Book of Wisdom. Who can know God's counsel, or what can conceive what the Lord intends? For the deliberations of mortals are timid, and unsure are our plans for the corruptible body burdens the soul and the earthen shelter weighs down the mind that has many concerns and scarce do we guess the things on earth and what is within our grasp we find with difficulty but when things are in heaven who can search them out or whoever knew your counsel except you had given wisdom and sent your Holy Spirit from on high And thus were the paths of those on earth made straight. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In every age, O Lord, you have been our refuge. In every age, O Lord, you have been our refuge. You turn man back to dust, saying, Return, O children of men, for a thousand years in your sight are as yesterday, now that it is past, or as a watch of the night. In every age, age, O Lord, Lord, you you have been our refuge. You make an end of them in their sleep. The next morning they are like the changing grass, which at dawn springs up anew, but by evening wilts and fades. In every age, Age, O Lord, Lord, you have been our refuge. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain wisdom of heart. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. In every age, O Lord, you have been our refuge. Fill us at daybreak with your kindness, that we may shout for joy and gladness all our days, and may the gracious care of the Lord our God be ours. Prosper the work of our hands for us. Prosper the work of our hands. In every age, O Lord, you have been our refuge. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to Philemon. I, Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner for Christ Jesus, urge you on behalf of my child Onesimus, whose father I have become in my imprisonment. I am sending him, that is, my own heart, back to you. I should have liked to retain him for myself, so that he might serve me on your behalf in my imprisonment for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that the good you do might not be forced, but voluntary. Perhaps this is why he was away from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a brother, beloved especially to me, but even more so to you as a man and in the Lord. So if you regard me as a partner, welcome him as you would me. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia, 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 alleluia. Let your face shine upon your servant, And teach me your laws. Alleluia. 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 The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Great crowds were traveling with Jesus. And he turned and addressed them. If anyone comes to me, Without hating his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Which of you, wishing to construct the tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if there is enough for its completion? Otherwise, after laying the foundation and finding himself unable to finish the work, the onlookers should laugh at him and say, this one began to build but did not have the resources to finish. Or what king, marching into battle, would not first sit down and decide whether with 10,000 troops he can successfully oppose another king advancing upon him with 20,000 troops? But if not, While he is still far away, he will send a delegation to ask for peace terms. In the same way, any one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. God is a jealous God. I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods besides me. The Lord Jesus, Lord of our lives, Lord of the universe, doesn't want just part of us, doesn't want just a fraction of our loyalty, or even most of it. He wants it all. God is a jealous God. If He sees our hearts going off to other loyalties, other gods, others whom we put first in our hierarchy of obedience or desire that is unpleasant to Him. He wants us to put Him always first and foremost. That's what this passage means when he says... And this could be confusing to many people. Well, you have to hate your mother, father, wife, children, brothers. He doesn't mean hatred in the sense that we usually use the word. He doesn't mean wishing ill will. Hatred is a sin. What he means is the order of priority of our loyalties. He's first, even before these other relationships. It reminds me of a Christian love song for a married couple. The name of it is love song for number two. It's the husband singing to his wife and saying, well, you are number two in my life. The first is the Lord. And a spouse shouldn't want any other reality in the mind and heart and soul of their spouse than that they are number two. Nobody should be number one. You know, the reason is that's putting too much of a burden on any human being. Because no human being can always make us happy. No human being can fulfill us. Ultimately, the longing of the human heart as St. Augustine said, Our hearts are restless, O Lord, until they rest in you. Don't put on another human being the burden of of being able to satisfy you completely and don't put on yourself the burden of expecting to be satisfied by any human being. It will only result in frustration for you both. Love song for number two. Whether it's a relationship with a spouse or with children or parents or anybody. We're not called to hate. We're called to love. But well, we're called to love in a hierarchy. We're called to love according to an order of priority. And Christ Jesus is saying here, if you're going to be my follower, I have to be an even higher priority for you than parents, children, spouses, or anybody else. And parents should not want ever want their children to have any other priority loyalty than Jesus Christ. Nor should children want their parents to have any higher priority or loyalty in their lives than jesus christ because when he is our priority that is precisely when we are best able to love the other you really want to have a loving relationship with the important people in your life well then have both them and you put christ first and you will find yourselves closer and in a more fruitful relationship that is ever humanly possible to achieve because when christ jesus is first Every thought, every word, every desire is going to be in union with him. And union with him means self-giving love to the point of giving our lives. And that's why he goes on to say, and even his own life. Now, we're not to hate our lives. We're to love our lives. We're to preserve our lives. We have a duty to preserve our lives and our health. We have a duty. Well, what the Lord is saying here is, if your duty to preserve your life, just like your duty to love your parents, spouse, and children, ever conflicts with your love for me or your duty to obey me, you must choose me first, even if it means losing your life. Hence, we celebrate the martyrs. It's not that you're throwing your life away. It's not that you hate your life. It's not that you don't take care of your health. Just the opposite. You're taking care of it, but precisely as a gift from God. You don't own it yourself. That's where martyrdom is exactly the opposite of suicide. Suicide says, I'm the master of my life, and if I get tired of it or I want to throw it away, I can do so. Martyrdom is exactly the opposite of that, saying my life is not my own. It's a gift of God. Therefore, I have to preserve it. But because it's a gift of God, I can't preserve it at the cost of offending the one who gave it. So if I should, most of us don't, but if I should face a situation where I am being told to disobey God, to insult Him, to blaspheme Him, to be unfaithful to Him, to renounce Him, if I'm being told to do that at the cost of my life, I must pay that cost. Now, that's not going to happen to most of us. But the point is, we have to live each day with that order of priority. There is no cheap grace, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote about. Cheap grace. He wrote the book, The Cost of Discipleship. You can't just slap a label on your life and say, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. I believe in God. I'm a Catholic. We have some prominent people in American political life who do that every day. But it's an insult to Christ and it's an insult to the rest of us because they're not paying the price, counting the cost, doing, making the sacrifices, doing the things that are required. Because if you love Christ, you've got to reject certain other things, like abortion, for example. And meanwhile, we have Biden and Pelosi and, and you know various others, too, who are... Claiming the name of Catholic. Those of you in New Jersey, well, you made a big mistake electing that governor, pro-abortion Catholic that he is. And various others in public life in America, whether governors, senators, congressmen, and women. Claim the name Catholic, and let's not just talk about them, but, but in the wider body of Christ. Claim the name of Christ in whatever denomination. And support the killing of babies? That's contradicting the gospel here front and center. You can't, you can't be more contradictory than that because Jesus is saying, look, you want to build a tower and then you don't and then you don't have the resources to build it. What's he talking about? You want to say that you're my follower and then you find out that you can't follow me. Because oh, now I'm going to have to offend my, my supporters who are pro-abortion or my Democrat friends who are pro-abortion. I'm going to have to offend them now. Because I'm standing up for unborn babies. Oh, I don't want to do that. But my following of Christ demands that I do that. Oh, I don't have the resource. Oh, sorry, I can't finish building the tower. I can't come against uh, uh, this army, as the examples Jesus is using here. You're not counting the cost. You're not figuring out in your own mind. You're not being honest with yourself. See, that's what these pro-abortion politicians do. They're not honest with themselves, and therefore they're not honest with us either you got to be honest enough with yourself to say, you know, either I can do this or I can't do it. Maybe I can't do it. Maybe I can't be a follower of this Jesus. Maybe his teachings are too hard for me. And this is the calculation they don't make. Oh, yeah, oh, I can do it. Don't be so fast to say you can do it. Calculate what this really means. It means integrating every choice, every desire, every plan into that orbit where Christ Jesus is the center and you cannot do anything that goes against his love, his spirit, his teachings. And that's not something that's so uh, uh, like silly putty. You can mold it whatever way you want to each day. Oh, I'll do whatever I want. See, here's how some people live the Christian life. I'll do whatever I want to do and I'll just slap the label of Christ on what it is that I come up with. I'll make my own plans, and I'll just dress it up in religious garb and call it discipleship. No, discipleship has a particular content. You forgive your enemies, you do justice, you defend life, you worship God and not false gods. And on and on it goes. You honor human sexuality. You honor marriage. You observe family as God created family, not as some left-wing lunatic defines family or gender. We count the cost. And we trust that the God who calls us to follow His Son gives us indeed the strength to do it. This is the wisdom that the Book of Wisdom is talking about here. He's making the point in this first reading that, you know, we try to figure things out in life and we find that a lot of things in life are difficult to understand. If things on earth can be difficult to understand, how much more difficult to grasp the things that are in heaven? Who can search them out? the author of the Book of Wisdom is saying. In other words, this is foreshadowing what Jesus says in the Gospels. He's talking about a way of divine life. He's talking about sharing in the divine nature. Who can understand these things? And then the writer of the Book of Wisdom says, well, Lord, we wouldn't be able to do so unless you send us your Spirit from on high. And it's that wisdom that comes from the Holy Spirit Something we have to ask for every day that will enable us to calculate if we can build that tower or march into that battle. In other words, if we can be a follower of Christ each day and show the loyalty and exercise the obedience that it requires in the right order, in the right priority. The Holy Spirit has to show us. Now, he speaks through the scriptures. He speaks through the catechism. He speaks through the teachings of the gospel as they've been handed on to us. He speaks through the lives of the saints and the example that they've given us. That's why the church lifted them up as saints to give us the example of their lives and their teaching. Today, a new blessed was added to the company of the saints, a blessed. John Paul I, Pope John Paul I, who was Pope just for a month back in 1978. The smiling Pope loved to speak about God's love and forgiveness and mercy and gentleness and the importance of being happy disciples of the Lord. Well, that ties in with all of this. The Spirit will guide and instruct and strengthen us to joyfully, not just walk, but run in the way of discipleship. Let's do it. Let's recommit ourselves to it today. And let's pass on that example to everybody else. Jesus, may we indeed love you above all. And in loving you above all, find the greatest strength to love one another. Amen.